Welcome to the Every Thought Matters podcast, where I get a chance to talk to people about their thoughts, their journeys, and have a little fun and hopefully learn something about ourselves along the way. So please click like, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a comment, and thank you so much for listening. It truly means a lot to me. Have a great day, and remember, every thought does matter. This episode of the Every Thought Matters podcast features Teresa Ireland. Teresa has been in the entertainment business since she was a kid, and we talk about that and the entire journey of places she's been, people she's worked with. We also talk a little bit about her Maryland journey and get into that, as well as sound baths and her spiritual journey, which seems to truly align with what I'm going through as well. So it's a wonderful conversation, and I truly hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Hi, I'm here on the Every Thought Matters podcast with the one and only Teresa Ireland. Welcome, Teresa. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm grateful to have you. We've been friends for a truthfully a long time. I don't remember what year that was in Catalina, but I want to say 2016, but that seems yeah, about right. That sounds about right. Right around I'd there. have to look at my Facebook photos to figure that out, but I, I don't have care. The, I have the poster right behind me. Oh, do you right. really? That's well, hilarious. I got one of the big canvas ones because I was the uh, poster child that year. Yes, you were yeah. the poster child that year. That's correct. Yeah, it's <laughs> probably 2016. That makes sense because we released Spiral Storm in 2015, so that makes sense. Yep. So, yeah, we met at Catalina. You at that time, we're doing a Marilyn Monroe impersonator role at the Catalina Film Festival, which is a very prestigious film festival. And you were the poster child for that. And somehow we became friends in that whole weekend and it just blossomed into a wonderful friendship ever since. Absolutely. Yeah, it was great. And I know now you're no longer doing that, which is you know, wonderful that you've moved on from that because I looked at your IMDb and you're an accomplished actress, you're a producer, you've even done some casting, done some writing, crew work, you've done it all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I usually say the list of what I don't do is shorter. <laughs> right, I love that though. Isn't that great though? Because you've done, a script, you were a script supervisor on one of my films mm-hmm. and you got casting director, you're producer, you're acting doing some writing and you did the Maryland thing and you're still blazing trails out in LA, which is wonderful. So let's talk about like, how did Pennsylvania girl got into all of this? I mean, when did you know that entertainment was something you wanted to do? Well, um, (laughs) I could dance before I could walk. (laughs) Uh, So I was, I was dancing yeah, it's from the time I came out of the womb. So my mom took me to the local dance studio and said, what do I do with her? She's obviously a dancer. They said, bring her back when she's three years old. <laughs> we'll teach her how to tap and go from there. So I've been performing on stage as a dancer in front of large crowds under big lights and costumes, hair and makeup since I was three years old. And uh, I loved performing. It was actually easier for me to perform in front of a huge crowd than it was for like smaller audiences. So it was, um, that was always really, really fun. And it uh, 
blossomed into uh, so much more all throughout my life, but it, it all started on stage with dance. Wow. And were you involved in theater and the arts in high school? Well, you know, I did maybe a couple shows here or there. It was so time consuming and I played three instruments. I played multiple sports. I was at my dance studio three to five nights a week, depending on what I was doing. Um, so I didn't really, and I took every art class imaginable. I was very creative, very, um, yeah. I don't Still know. Are. I did, I did, I did a lot of everything. I was never forced into it. My mom just allowed me to do everything I wanted to do, which was everything. <laughs> so uh, theater didn't come until later on after I had actually moved to California in 2001. And it wasn't even to get into acting. I just needed a change of scenery from where I was and what I was doing. I just needed to find something that really fueled the center core of me. And I found myself uh, moving to Humboldt County, California, and mm -hmm. was living up there for five years and did uh, a lot of community theater and then local okay. commercials. And then my first feature film I starred in. Mm -hmm. Oh, look at the puppy. <laughs> yeah, that's my she gets jealous when I go when I do my podcast. I, well, dogs love me, so it doesn't surprise me that even through the computer, they're coming, they want to oh, come yeah. say hi. <laughs> you never met her when you were in L.A.? Uh, you never met Ginny? Yeah, I met Ginny. Yeah, I thought you did. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so uh, after getting so well-versed in the theater scene in uh humble I decided to move to San Francisco and do things on a larger level I uh, was very then shortly cast in the uh, revival company of Tony and Tina's wedding and oh, wow. yeah so I originated one of the characters for that show and we performed uh, on Fisherman's Wharf on Pier 39 I was cast and directed by the original creator of the show Larry Pellegrini I had no idea who I was auditioning for whenever I went in either wow and it was such a fun I had a really really fun audition piece and he was laughing behind the table the whole time him and the producer that were there and uh, he even came around after while I was leaving and stopped me and I've never had a casting director do this he ran from around the table stopped me and he said your audition is hilarious. He said, I would just cut it down a little bit. It might be a little bit too long, but it was funny, hilarious. Thank you so much for coming in. So I didn't know how to take that. <laughs> and I called my wow. acting coach right away. And I said, I don't know, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? He told me it was way too long. She goes, but was he laughing? I said, yes. And she goes, the fact he ran around the table and came to say something, you did good girl. And uh, I ended up getting Absolutely. Cast. Yeah. Um, so I did that for a few years there. And um, there wasn't a lot of filming that happened in San Francisco at that time at all. Uh, it was really hard for filmmakers to make a movie there. It was way too expensive. There were no incentives. The only film that you could do was from students at the Academy of Art Institute, which I actually did get to do quite a few movies with the students sure. there. Some of some of the most fun times I've had on set was with some of, you know, just doing those those little films every once in a while that, you know, you got to 
you just got to have fun with uh, filming yeah, around yeah. San Francisco. And I have a lot of them that you can see up on YouTube or uh, Vimeo, right. all that. So it's, it's, that's cool. But then eventually I plateaued there with the work I was doing. And eventually while I was there, I, I was in San Francisco for about seven and a half years. And uh, right before I left, performing on stage and filming when I can, and then producing two television shows out of a studio in Oakland, I still had to bartend in between everything just to get by. And sure. I was napping in between work right. here, there and everywhere. So wow. I wanted to just work in the entertainment industry solely. I knew I right. could. I had uh -huh. a built out resume and reel. And so I made the leap to L.A., not knowing how much I was going to love L.A. I really thought I was going to hate it. I, I, I'd never really visited. I had a notion of what I thought it was like and the people that were here. But once I got here, it was a complete different story than what I had convinced myself. So I'm glad I gave it a shot. And that was almost nine years ago, eight and a half, yeah. nine years ago now. So, yeah, wow. I was on set the third day I was in town when I got to L.A. I came oh, down cool. to hit the ground running. And uh, that's uh, awesome. Third day in. That's great. Mm -hmm. I got brought on. A girlfriend of mine was producing um a pilot or I think it became a short film after that uh, but I came in as script supervisor and continuity and then she ended up having an emergency and leaving and I got moved into first AD so I immediately um, just whoa started working and got and getting recognized for the work I could do because I didn't realize that having such high work ethics within the industry was something that was hard to come by. And it is. yeah, I had no idea. Had I actually known that, I mean, maybe I would have moved sooner, but I feel that timing is everything. So I moved at the right time when I was supposed to move. And yeah. that's why everything did work out the way it did. Um, yeah. Wow. And that is true. And, you know, you even volunteered for My Little Podunk film, and you were well beyond the realm of that. It, you still had a very solid work ethic, and you did a great job for us. I'm oh, thanks, very Kelly. Proud of that, that was film. so much fun. Oh, I loved so much fun with you on that. Everything about it was great. Yeah. And for my listeners that don't know, the first AD's first assistant director, basically they're running the ship to make sure everybody's in their place People are signing the right forms. If it's a SAG after that, all of that. There's so much the first AD has to do. It's ridiculous. It's yeah. not an easy I job. I give them You're a lot of doing... credit. Sorry. I I give I give first ADs a lot of credit only because oh, I've been there, done that. But it's yeah, it's to have a not really the... first, to have a really great first AD that that's on board that knows what they're doing. You can yes. You're shooting a yeah, film, you need a really solid first city because you got to be able to multitask and do anything from paperwork to props to, yeah, and you, you know, you camera setup. Find that balance of being able to tell people what they need to do, but without being a bitch about it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You kind of have to put people in it. It's a while. On you have to Storm, keep everybody on track. You got to yes, keep. It, yes. You're yeah. Time. And all of that. Stuff. It's Time so much money. work, but it's, 
but it gives it's one of the great jobs to do if you want to get into the industry is just do that so you can see the entire spectrum of yep. what it takes to make a film. Whether it's a 12-minute film or a feature film, it's a lot of work, but it'll give you an idea of what a grip does, what the camera op does, what the CP, all of that. It's going to give you everything. It's wonderful. So how did you fall into what I knew you as is this Maryland thing? How did that, like, how did that happen? Oh, I mean, one doesn't just put on a Maryland costume and, and do it. And for my listeners, because I'm not on video, she does this amazing Maryland Monroe impersonation, and it blew me away when I saw it in Catalina. It blew mm. me away. It freaked me out, to be honest. With you. It was that good. Thanks, Kelly. Well, yeah, I, uh, I usually say Marilyn found me. Mm-hmm. She channels through mm-hmm. me. Uh, how it really happened was, like I said, I moved to L.A. Mm-hmm. and I didn't know anyone, but I had a buildup of my career before I got here. But I didn't mm-hmm. and I had enough money in order to get me by to a certain point but I didn't have the spending money to go out and be social and meet filmmakers in a social setting. So I had to meet them by being on set. So I, I submitted for everything because it wasn't about the money. It was about the connections I was about to be making and just showing up and showing what I'm capable of doing. So I submitted for everything, absolutely everything. And I was literally auditioning one to five times a day. And I didn't have a car. So I was also on foot and taking public transportation to get to these one to five auditions a day. And it was quite an adventure making all of this happen. But I was doing it and doing the work to you know, get as many no's as I needed until I get those yeses. And yep. one of the projects I submitted for was a Marilyn Monroe impersonator. Now, at this point, I had done the stage production bus stop which Marilyn played the lead role when they turned it into a movie. And Mm -hmm. the costumer had gifted me the red sparkly dress that I wore in that show. And so I knew it looked enough like one of Marilyn's dresses that I had that. And I could sing a lot of Marilyn's music, which I figured out at one point, my vocal coach up in Humboldt County that I was working with up there was having me sing all of Marilyn Monroe's songs. And it dawned on me one day that these were all songs that Marilyn had recorded because a lot of people don't even realize that Marilyn is a trained singer. She used to train with all the great jazz artists of that time. Um, There's a lot about Marilyn that people don't know about. It's fun to throw tidbits of information to educate on that. Uh, But yeah, I knew I could sing like her. I knew I could do the makeup like her. All all I needed was a wig. And so I submitted for it and they called me up. They said, you have the best reel and resume of anyone that submitted, but we don't see any Marilyn on there. Do you have a wig? Knowing that this was a small film budget happening here Mm -hmm. Uh, I knew they were asking me because they couldn't afford a wig so I said you do yes so I said yes yes I do have a wig they said good (laughs) we want you to play the Maryland and so I scrounged up my last 80 dollars that I had to go buy the best Maryland wig I could find in Hollywood 
And I knew someday that that wig was going to come in handy later on down the road and make that money back and then tenfold for me. So, uh, I, and also I got to add another wig to my wig collection, which I adore sure. so much. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I, I filmed the movie. It's called Actor for Hire. You can actually see it. It's on a couple of the different streaming sites. Um, I'm in one scene, but what was really cool about, I actually, this is the first movie I got to see premiere at the Chinese theater on the big screen with me in it. And, uh, there, the scene that I'm in is the only scene from the previous stuff they shot for the movie. Cause it was going to be a series that then it got redone to be a feature film with new shots, but they couldn't recreate that shot that I was in as Marilyn at this party because of how, like they said, there's no way they wanted to even try to recreate it. It's the only thing they kept from the old footage. So it was really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, We got to do some shots that were my idea in it as well. And the the DP really liked my, what I was throwing out. I was like, hey, let's do this shot like this because I think it'd look really cool. And, you know, so that was, that was really, really neat. And so I had that wig. And at this point, so this is still my first year in LA. And at this point I'm working, I've got a flow going, but then all of a sudden the holidays come around and, oh, wow things just like stop. The holidays things shut down. They shut down. People leave town, go on vacation until after the holidays and no one's working or people are in post-production or um, there's just, there was no work. So I'm looking at this Marilyn wig sitting on my desk on the, on the head (laughs) sitting there looking at me. Right. And I'm thinking, man, I know that there's people up on Hollywood Boulevard that play these characters up there. Someone has to hire them. I know I can do this Marilyn character now. So I was performing actually in a theater that doesn't exist anymore um, right through Hollywood. So I had to walk through those characters all the time. And there was always one particular Superman that was always there and a couple of the other cat women or whatever that was always there. Yeah. And I walked up to a couple of the, the women and approached them and asked them, hey, how do you who hires you? How do you do this? And they would just kind of give you a real roundabout answer that wasn't an answer whatsoever. And I just didn't think anything of it anymore. But then one day I was uh in an audition in Santa Monica and I was on the bus coming back. Uh, I lived in North Hollywood at the time and I'm sitting there contemplating life because I'm running out of money, rent's coming due, uh, not sure what the heck I'm going to do now. And uh, as I'm thinking about all of this, we're approaching Hollywood and someone gets on the bus that smells so bad. Now, I'm pretty good with icky smells, but this was (laughs) this this literally made me gag and I almost threw up on the bus (laughs) so I couldn't have this. So I got off at the next stop and I'm thinking, oh, well, I'll just take a little walk down the boulevard. Hell, you never know who you're going to run into. Well, (laughs) as I'm thinking that. Who do I see approaching me from a few blocks away is Superman, the Superman that I always saw up on Hollywood Boulevard. And I'm thinking, well, maybe he knows how I do this. 
So uh, it looked like he wasn't working because he was walking towards me with a backpack. And so I stopped him and said, hey, Superman, can I ask you a question? And he totally turned into Superman and went, yes, of course you can. (laughs) (laughs) And so I told him, I said, hey, look, I can do Maryland and I want to come up there. I don't know how you guys do it. What's the deal? Give me the lowdown. And he proceeded to tell me that he was the perfect person to talk to because he's the person that had started it way, way, way back when. He's Chris Dennis, right. Superman, and the, the one that the movie um, Confessions of a Superhero, yeah. he was in, it was real popular, I think, on Netflix there for a while. Uh, but yeah, he's super, super well known for being the, the Superman up there. And right. uh, he basically kind of grandfathered me in. He enjoyed the conversation we had there. He uh, connected with me on Facebook. And then for a few days, I really tried to do it. I tried to put the costume on to do it, but I kept, I chickened out because it's nerve wracking wondering, okay, wait, I'm going to dress up like Marilyn Monroe and have to get on a bus to a train to get to Hollywood. (laughs) Right. I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to try to make money doing this. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Right. Um, So (laughs) eventually I uh, get hit up by Chris on Facebook saying, Hey, look, I really like what you can bring to this boulevard. I, we need a really good Marilyn. We don't have one. Where are you? I'm ready to show you around. And so he really encouraged me to just do it. And then I had to find the confidence within myself to be like, yeah, screw it. I can walk out this house looking like Marilyn Monroe. I can walk out this house looking like anything. It's all about having the confidence to do it. And so then I wanted to do justice for Marilyn and I wanted to do her properly. So I would sit in front of my mirror And I would have pictures of her around me so I could study how she did her makeup because she did it a very particular way. I wanted to I wanted to manipulate my face to look like Marilyn's and I would listen to her music because, again, she recorded all this music and I would sit there and see Marilyn. And eventually, when I got to a particular part of the makeup, I didn't see myself anymore. I could see Marilyn in the mirror. And then once the wig is on, that's it. It's full character. At at that point, if people said, do Marilyn for me, it was not, no, you can't. It's it's the full on thing. And so I, I would never break character. So it was always Marilyn walking down the street, interacting with anyone that, and people saw it. They could literally see it. And then this is a crazy thing that happened at one point. (laughs) Yeah, I want to hear this. So I'm walking down the street of Hollywood, not as Marilyn, as myself one day. And at this time, I didn't have short blonde hair. I had long red hair that came down my back that I used to braid up and pin up and put under my wig. So if you saw me walking down the street, you would have had no idea that I'm Marilyn whatsoever. So I'm walking down the street and this woman approaches me and she goes, I am an intuitive and there are three spirits following you. (laughs) And I said, okay. And I'm thinking it's some scam, someone that needs money, whatever. 
And she goes, no, it's a, it's a, an old woman and a young boy and Marilyn Monroe. Why is Marilyn Monroe following you? Wild. I'm like, wow, that's really crazy. And then I'm like, do you know who I am? She goes, no, I have no idea. I just had to stop because Marilyn Monroe's there. <laughs> wow. So yeah, that? that was really cool. Um, and, and I got to do a lot of fun things as uh, I, I went up there and there are two different types. I learned a lot of things. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I learned a lot of things and I saw even more than that. Um, but there are two types of people that, that go out there. There are those of us who are artists who we consider what we do busking because it's like someone that goes out there to plays guitar and accepts tips for their art. Yep, sure. I was I was taking my Marilyn show to the street because you are yep. actually interacting with Marilyn. It's not just someone in the costume. And oh, I would yeah. go out there and sing. I would go out there and perform as Marilyn. And if people wanted to tip me, I accepted and appreciated anything that came my way. And it yep. was never about charging anyone for anything because literally that's illegal uh, but there are people up there that i call con artists that take advantage of a situation like that yeah. that sure. will just throw on a costume go up there demand money from people demand a certain amount be horrible so i never went up there looking for it to be a money-making thing for me that just mm -hmm. came as a bonus it really, yeah. I wanted to bring a different energy up there to counteract all that crazy. Yeah. I was there because I saw people light up. I saw people eventually having a good time while they were visiting Hollywood. I saw, yeah. I saw the ripple effect of it. And yeah. that's what really kept me going up there as much as I did. And I did that. I said, I'm going to do this for about three years. If that's what's good, if that's what it's going to take to see what's going to happen with this, because something's going to have to come of this. And right, of course. I was and feeling it, it out. And at first I didn't tell anyone it was me. Even when good, I started. My, good. Yeah. Even when I started my Instagram, Hollywood, Marilyn Monroe, no yeah. one knew that Teresa Ireland was Hollywood, Marilyn Monroe, only because people got such a bad, uh, the, just, it was mm -hmm. really, it was really poorly looked at if you were up there accepting tips um, for your art on the boulevard. It, it really was not a good it's look a, for a lot of, for that a lot of people somebody, thought. But I it was, yeah, but it wasn't until I got some notoriety from it where all of a sudden I've been interviewed on the news. I was on NBC Nightline with the real grumpy cat. I had, I was, this is when it, then all of a sudden uh, the Hollywood reporter had interviewed me and in the Oscar edition that uh, Chris Rock was on the cover of, there's a half mm -hmm. page color photo of me and I'm mm -hmm. quoted in there with my name. So now all of a sudden people know that Teresa Ireland is Hollywood yeah. Marilyn Monroe. And so then I started like, okay, fine, now's the time. And that was probably a year and a half, maybe two years into it. So I, I was able to, to keep it <laughs> under wraps for a little while. But then I was on Jimmy Kimmel a couple of times, which was really cool. And right. um, I got to do all sorts of music videos and just oh, different yeah. and even what was the name that, of the movie that you were in at the trail end that we you and I went to see? What was the name? Oh, of that? Uh, How to Be a Latin Lover. 
Right, right, right yes. at the end, there you are. Bam. Y'all, that know? was and I love so it. much fun. Yeah, that was great. And people recognized me from that. Right. They, they would run up to oh. me in Hollywood saying, oh my God, I saw you. You were in How to Be a Latin Lover. Oh, yes. <laughs> so cool. Um, and then, yeah, the last, um, well, after being up there for three and a half years, I was then approached by this uh, one of the CEOs of the Chinese theater and uh, he said that they'd been watching me and they wanted they, they could see I was different than the other people that were out there. And they felt that they felt that I deserved more and better. And so they asked me to come produce a Maryland attraction for them where the handprints are at the Chinese theater. And I got to I got to work for them over there and produce uh, Maryland through them which was, uh, I mean, isn't that just your typical Hollywood story, getting discovered? It's a very typical Hollywood <laughs> story, but it also goes back to your Pennsylvania roots of being a hard worker and putting a, your, a good foot forward, treating people with respect. It's all of those, you know, and it's weird because people out in Ohio and Pennsylvania consider themselves the Midwest, even though it's geographically impossible, but still that, that, kind of grassroots work ethic is why that all happened though because you kept going spent your last 80 bucks on that wig and now the chinese theater ceo wants you you know yeah but that doesn't surprise me with you you've always been a hard worker and you've always treated people with kindness and respect well that's how i like to be treated but i, I also i I've been able to put myself in front of me in someone else's shoes. And uh, I'm grateful that I figured that out when I was pretty young. And uh, been and I feel like that's also helped me along with my acting career is actually sure. being able to figure out how the person across from me could be feeling and thinking. And, mm -hmm while they're interacting with me and how do I want to be perceived by someone on the other side? Sure. And, um, you know, I, I want kindness and respect and I feel that the world needs it more. And a lot of us need to lead by example so that maybe someone realizes they're maybe not being so kind. I agree. I totally and completely agree. How do you handle like what I call curtain climbers, the, the curtain climbers of LA, the people that, you know, also like you and I both have done some pretty famous stuff and work with some famous people. And then how do you handle those people that, that come up against you? Because you know, somebody that knows somebody and they, they want to climb on your back and, but then they want to climb over you. How do you handle that? What kind of, you know, spiritual practice or what kind of grounding principles do you have to keep sane especially in a town like LA where everybody everybody's hustling as hard as you are if not more yeah um it is it is a hustle and it, it can be disheartening at some at times for sure um getting strung along for anything that never really happens also is, is oh, i have that story like i've been wasting my time and energy on something that is never going to happen but 
then you still sometimes always hold on for a little bit of hope. Um, I, I've, I've developed a thick skin when it comes to dealing with rejection and things of that sure. nature within the business. Uh, so, so I don't necessarily allow that to bother me. And I, I'm also a really good read of energy and people. So anyone who I feel is BSing me, I'll immediately put a stop to whatever it is I'm doing, but I'll do, you never know where anyone is necessarily going to be at any given time in their career. So unless it's a bridge that you absolutely need to burn, it's still good to try to leave things gracefully Yep. Um, there's a tact to it, especially sure. I've done everything without an agent or a manager. So I've been my own agent and manager through my whole career. And Is that right. Wow. With everything that you've accomplished and you've accomplished a lot, girl. And I, I wrote it down like 50 acting credit, three, five producers, one casting director, two writers. And I didn't even include half the rest of your IMDb page. And you've done that all without a manager or Wow, girl. How yeah. did, uh, but I, I mean, I would love the right representation, but uh, sure, sure. But you can't even get a reputable um, agency to look at you unless you have some shitty agency attached to you. And I value myself a lot more than allowing someone to attach their name to me just because I think it's going to get me somewhere else. So I've just Wow. And I, I, maybe it's the Aries in me. I love to do things alone yeah, you're, myself. And <laughs> yeah, it is probably the Aries in you, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah. But I also look at like, uh, I used to play defensive back for the 49ers, Richard Sherman, who played in also Seattle. He's a Stanford grad and he never had an agent. He went in and talked to these CEOs. These are billionaires and he's negotiating with them. So he did it. So why can't you? Yeah, well, doing but, it. <laughs> yeah. And you are doing it very well, very successfully, I might add. And with grace and ease of what Marilyn actually portrayed, you know, that you're still doing it, not burning bridges, but, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not even in the business anymore and I'm still following your career. Oh, thanks, Kelly. No, but I was actually just at a film festival here in Rockport, which I'm in Rockport, Texas. And I had a short film in there, which is kind of blew me away. My producer, I actually acted in it. And I, it was weird. I got to see myself on the big screen in a real theater. I'm like, oh, that's kind of odd. It was just, it was less, it was, I thought I was going to be uncomfortable with it, but it wasn't that bad. I thought, not a bad not bad you know it was a short no budget film but still got into a film festival so whatever yeah but i'm more known for another film but it's i just think your origin story coming from you know i don't remember where in pennsylvania because i remember watching the steelers on a sunday in catalina island with you so <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, Indiana, right. Pennsylvania, which is uh, outside, yeah. of, just outside of Pittsburgh. So I fly in and right. out of Pittsburgh when I go home. <laughs> but I think that has lent you to be as successful as you are. And I, per and I think you're very successful. So the, is there anything in growing up that 
besides being on stage from the age of three did, that helped you deal with all the no's? Because that was the hardest part for me in Hollywood was all the no's. Uh, I actually credit my first acting coach, Cassandra Hesseltine, uh, for mm -hmm. helping me navigate those types of feelings, like by explaining it beforehand and basically telling me it is a numbers game and you're going to, you, you got to hear so many no's before you get to your yes. And you also have to understand that, um, the person that has called you in for this audition wants you to be the right person for the role. So there's no reason to doubt yourself and to think that there's no reason for you to be there. That's why you're being called in and to just make strong choices and not worry about what they want. Just take the material and make strong choices. If they want to see it differently, then great. You get to take direction and show them how you can take direction. Just yeah. And, and know that a lot of times it might not even be the level of talent you have that doesn't get you the role. It could be the way you look and you don't sure. you don't match with whoever might already be cast in the film or whatever the reason may be. It could right. be you might be even look. just too tall for that person. And I know right. most everybody's five, eight and below, but still, even there, you got to bring an apple box in. To, if I'm going to hire this person. I can bring an apple box in there. So they're, you know, you don't have a weird camera angle. All of that stuff goes mm -hmm. into who gets to do that. And you kind of also can play off of your cast. You did one casting director thing. So you kind of know what it's like to sit on the other side of that table. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I could put myself on I in know. their position back there, but then that helps me do what I'm doing uh, um, without having that nervous energy and chant and I've always tried to channel nervous energy and use it into something else for the character. Like sure. instead of being nervous with this, what can I attach? What kind of what can I attach to this that is character related, and then manipulate that energy and just have fun. And I would look at an audition as its own entity, so that just showing up and doing the work in the audition is exactly your your end goal and yeah. then getting a part yeah. is just a bonus right after that. you and that's I've, a whole nother that's a whole nother story then when you get into doing the work into the script and into the character so that's why the audition is its own thing because it's two separate things completely and how many people would kill to get into the door to go to an audition room. So you better be you better appreciate the fact that you are there doing what you love to do. I love auditioning. So I'm oh, one of those weird, weird actors. I, I do too. I always watch. loved it too. I I love I was taught by one of my acting coaches to, to look at it as you get a chance to perform. This is your chance to perform. Isn't that what you why you want to be an actor? It's just so you can perform so you Treat that as a chance to perform and yes, do your best, know where your eye lines are and all those other things you got to do, but you get to go perform just and leave it on the table there. And then, like you said, if you get cast, you, one of the best auditions I ever had was this short film and I got the script five minutes before and I had to perform with somebody I didn't even know and we killed it. 
because it was like this really tense scene between the two of us. And he was this Johnny Carson person who was uh, unfaithful to his wife. So they have this entire character arc within three pages. And I had to read this these three pages, not even be off book, not have anything memorized and work with somebody I don't even know that's sitting in the casting room. And we killed it. They're like, okay, you guys need to hug it out because we created that much tension between the two of us. Nice. That's what that's what an audition is. Yeah. And I, I did book the part, but still. Yes. I, I just looked at that moment as like, that was my greatest moment as an actor anyway. But I looked at it as a chance to perform. Yes. It's hard, and that's hard to do. And just like I talk, tell people is, Screenwriting is really hard. And I still dabble in that too, just because I think there's so many stories that can be told. But it, if everybody was doing it, if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. And not yeah. everybody can do that. And But it's still, it's a joy just to perform. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> it, it, it Every is. chance I uh, get. <laughs> no, to the point uh, where- I've been working at a um, crystal spiritual shop and meditation yeah. center in Venice, California. And there is a local that sets up karaoke down Venice pier halfway down. Mm-hmm. And so on my lunch breaks, <laughs> I literally go see karaoke on the pier and then Are go you back. Kidding to me? Nope. I'm oh, not. That is awesome. Oh. I didn't know you worked down there. That Are you down closer to Venice now? Um, no, I'm, I actually live over by the museums now, like by the tar pits and the LACMA. Oh, yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. But I also love working out, um, at near the beach in oh, Venice. Yeah. Marina Del Rey. The, it's called Hallowed Ground. Nice. And yeah. I knew you were into that and we haven't even touched a little bit on that because it looks like you know from I don't do uh the YouTube but you have some crystals behind you sitting on your shelf oh Um, yes I have I have have crystals everywhere (laughs) yes uh I'm literally I don't even own a car right now but I'm borrowing my friend's SUV and she's got a crystal in her SUV I'm like Uh good I feel much safer now yeah, there's some very good uh, protection stones that you can put yep. in your vehicle, and a lot of people do. Or I keep a piece of pyrite in my wallet because it attracts right. a bunch of wealth. And, and wow, I might have to do that. There's a I'm yeah, in all, the, all the different now, crystals so. and stones hold their own properties and, and energy to them. Pyrite, you said? Mm-hmm. It's fool's okay. gold. It looks good. like gold. I- it's called fool's gold. Oh, yeah. But that attracts abundance, huh? Mm-hmm. Very nice. I didn't know that. As you probably don't know or may know, I'm in between jobs, but I got laid off from my barista job, so I'm looking for another one. And that's always a good thing to have. Yeah. I didn't know that. And how long have you been into that side of the spiritual world? I've been collecting rocks since I was a kid, not knowing what I was what? what I was doing. Yeah, I was attracted to collecting rocks. Um, but wow. then it wasn't 
wasn't until I was living in Humboldt that Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I got an influx of rose quartz. People were gifting it to me without knowing that people were gifting it to me. And uh, I mentioned it to someone one day (laughs) that all of a sudden I ended up with all this rose quartz from different avenues of people. And they had explained what Rose Quartz stood for and that that's what I'm attracting into my life right now. And I started learning a lot more of, along the lines of uh, the, the, that side of the crystal collection instead of just thinking they look pretty, like really understand right. what, they, what they stood for. Um, How wonderful. So yeah, it's, it's been wonderful. And now you actually, you know, earn a living talking about this. I love that. I love how that kind of manifested for you. Very, and in Venice of all places, which is, you know, well, wonderful. I love that uh, area. I, I had uh, started going to sound baths at the studio. Oh my gosh, I just rediscovered those. And <sighs> it literally changed my life. And this, this was just recent. This was just this year that this all took place. And yes, it's been such a real, it's been a crazy year. Um, Yeah, for me it has, but yeah, go on. I I started going to sound baths. It changed my life. And then I went to a sound bath that uh, we did breath work before the sound bath and I had, I had an out-of-body experience, astral projection, and it wasn't even trying, didn't know that that's what could happen. It just happened. And when I came back to body, I had never felt more into understanding my soul's purpose to be here and be so comfortable with just life. And leading with the heart and being authentically myself, even when I thought I had already been authentically myself, really deeply, rootedly feeling it and really having the self-love that you need in order to attract the love that you deserve. And um, it's just being grateful and thankful for everything and knowing that you live in abundance and you manifest your, your reality and it just it centered me and grounded me and then I was actually and at the end of June I was in New York City for a really big audition and I ended up staying there for a few days and having some solo time in New York because I was there why not and uh I get a phone call one night while I'm walking the streets Times Square and they offered me a job at hallowed ground. And I, I, I cried because I feel it's such a sacred space and I honor the, the studio space where we do our sessions. And it's, it's the energy there is it's magical really is all I can describe. I agree with that. And uh, so I felt very honored that they were offering me this job. And I had just moved into a new apartment, this apartment that I'm in right now, that is a little more than the last one I was living in, but in a very much nicer and safer neighborhood for me. 
And uh, so I knew I needed a little bit more of a steady income than what my acting had been providing for me. So I felt that this was being presented to me for a very big reason. And so I accepted the job and really my energy has been getting pulled there a lot more and I am not even mad about it. Uh, I've actually conducted sound baths as well. And I'm, oh. in training to, to, I'm learning the scientific side of it at the moment of, as well as the spiritual side, but I'm conducting on the crystal bowls now. And uh, it's been uh, so soul rewarding to see how it heals people. When it's, even when I'm working to check people in, to go to the classes, to come back down, to see the difference in people and see how it helps them and is healing them and understanding this oneness within the community that we create there. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I am honored to be a part of it because it's very special. Well, and I have just, I, in 2015, I took this workshop with the casting director uh, who runs Renita Casting. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she's been friends of mine ever since. But she did this whole thing as a meditation, and we did this video uh, vision board and all these other things. But she also brought in a sound bath. Mm. And oh my goodness, that was just so powerful. It, and now within the last month since I've been unemployed, I've been on TikTok a lot. And I've discovered people who do sound baths on TikTok. And I just lay there and listen and build it. Wow. Just yes. wow. They're, they're magical. They're, the vibrations r literally do change you. Well, because for anyone that for anyone yeah, go ahead. that doesn't under that doesn't know what a sound bath is, um, yeah, go ahead. There are these crystal bowls that each one is a different size and a different frequency that yep. correlates to one of your seven chakras, which is your energy chi system yep. in everyone's body. Yep. And the, the vibrations and the uh, frequency of each bowl when they're all being played together is literally opening a channel and realigning your chakras. And the sound is actually healing parts of you that is storing ancestral trauma because we hold ancestral trauma in our DNA from things that have happened and yep. for lifetimes. And yep. those of us that are aware of what we can do to heal ourselves, we're doing the work mm -hmm. to, to actually recognize what needs to be healed and letting it come up and then getting rid of it and uh, helping future generations. Yeah, I remember the first one I saw on this TikTok thing and she, it was a root chakra and a throat chakra uh, sound bath. And I felt tingliness in my root chakra. 
mm-hmm. when I just started listening to it, I'm like, well, and then it eventually went away. And I'm like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. It's cool. But that's I love, I just, you know, now it's just, it's so funny that you talked about this today because in everything I was thinking about talking about with you, I don't plan it out because I just don't like doing that. I, that was never anything I would have ever thought about. And I'm so honored that you're going down this wonderful spiritual path and you know about sound baths and how they work and your training on it. That's just wonderful. I can tell you, you, you know, I may just pull a screenshot off of this for the graphics just because you're glowing. You really uh, are. Uh, thanks. I, I have not felt this good probably I mean, ever really uh it's even i've cut back on drinking i don't really drink anymore i i i i don't smoke that much weed anymore i <laughs> right i'm i don't feel like i need vices it it's really just has aligned me in a lot yeah. Of, yeah and i like having a clear head because i'm able to manifest better with that because uh, I journal I've learned Mm -hmm. that journaling helps you get what you want in life and helps you get things out that you don't want in life and uh, I there's a a manifestation journal that I write in it's called 369 project (laughs) and it really works (laughs) <laughs> I bought them Wonderful. for presents for people because they really work, but Great. you can do it yourself. Everyone has the capability. You just have to get rid of your limiting beliefs and quit telling you, yourself that you can't or you shouldn't or you won't because your thoughts manifest your reality. And a lot of people don't realize that their subconscious is working against them when they're constantly having something uh, repeating in their head that is negative. If oh, you can start switching that around to be positive yeah. and start having more affirmations for yourself, positive affirmations, and you can change your whole life. It can happen. You just, you got to think it first. It's, well, I have been down the rabbit hole lately of Eckhart Tolle and a lot of what he talks about. And one of the things that is really cool to me is he talks about that your whole life is nothing but a present moment. So even if you're thinking about the past, say I'm thinking about Catalina Island, I'm still here in this present moment thinking about Catalina Island. I'm still here in the present moment. Mm -hmm. You think about the future, you're still here in the present moment. So, So why bring those two variables in there and not just focus on like the present moment where I'm watching this beautiful glowing friend of mine speak about her spiritual path that's the present moment yeah and see how unfiltered that feels being in the now yes what what the sound baths did for me to begin with from the very first one i went to is it melted away my depression my anxiety uh it, it just completely dissipated and went away and stress I literally realized that being 
being depressed is living in the past and being anxious is living in the future and living in the present now and experiencing the now because I don't think there are coincidences. I think we are where we're supposed to be at any given time, no matter Agreed. no matter what we think. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you might as well enjoy the moment because you get this moment. Right. I had a moment last night where I'm like, why aren't you living your life like, you know, every, you know, I don't know. I've I've been in this rut, but you know. I've been, been a blessing in disguise because it's pushed me to not, I, I barely know what I'm going to have for dinner tonight. And that's as far as I really want to go about life. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know what kind of intro I'm going to write for this podcast. I don't, but I don't care because I'm right here right now. And that's what's so important to me. And For me, it's that and that podcast. This podcasting is my favorite thing in the world. I could live, eat, breathe, and just do this every day. Mm. I, you know, seven of them a week, I would do them outside of sports, of course. But you know, <laughs> you know how I am about my sports. Yes, <laughs> a little bit nuts, but uh, wow! I the sound bathing, I'm still kind of processing that that's wonderful that makes me very very happy to know that I have somebody that understands that and how amazing that can be mm-hmm. and, and wanting to get the word out and share it yes. with everyone. I I love that when I'm working in the retail shop uh, that I get to just freely talk about my experiences and yeah. it inspires others to want to experience something for themselves and then once they start doing it and come back and give me a great big hug and say thank you you inspired me or you motivated me just for being honest and open about everything and uh it's 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 really cool to experience I, I can't even put words to it because it's such yes, a fe- such a feeling yeah we we um our one instructor Elias Shepard he has a nonprofit, love breathe serve that we got together as a community on Thanksgiving and made and packaged 1500 hot meals Wonderful. To, to Skid Row and the amount of love that was in that room between everyone that came together to make this happen was nothing short of incredible. And I couldn't think of another way I would have wanted to spend my day. I I was there from nine 30 to two 30. There were people there earlier than that. There were people cleaning up later than that. Like it, it really, it really was amazing. And that's the and part of the community that comes to Elias's classes at our at our studio. They mm-hmm. we had a nice little group of us there, and it's it's beautiful seeing that side of humanity, and uh, the difference it can make. It, I love because you're serving in a really for me a really cool way, and that's probably one of the few things about LA that I missed is that 
spiritual community. So I used to go to a place like the House of Intuition and Oh yes. Uh, you know, and I I still know a, a tarot card reader that lives over off Sunset and so on. I miss a little bit of that spiritual community. So trying to figure it out how to find that because if I could find a sound bath here in this my little podunk redneck Texas town, I'd be so happy. That's just so good. It's so oh, it's um, it's an amazing thing and. That was a nice little gift of this podcast episode is hearing about you and that spiritual journey because you were inspiring before, but and I was in awe of you when I met you at Catalina, even though we hung out, I was still like, wow, look at this thing. Look how amazing she is. But now very much so proud of you. I just love where you're going and I think it's great. And I think there's a reason why we're still friends. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for your kind words. That means a lot, Kelly. Well, let's wrap this up and tell people where they can find you. And let's go from there and I'll get this bad boy out. Sure. Um, well, I I do still have the Hollywood Marilyn Monroe Instagram page up. I don't post a lot on there because I kind of wanted after I did the John Travolta movie, which wasn't even anything we got into, which we'll have to do another right. time because it's a really fun story. <laughs> but there are pictures of me and him uh, filming for the fanatic that Fred Durst directed. Um, but that's that, that's all there. Um, so you can find me there at Hollywood, Marilyn Monroe, or you can go to my page, Teresa Ireland official. And that's where I'm posting more of just my stuff. Now okay. I want it to not Perfect. be pigeonholed in the Maryland. Yeah, I know. And I, I was forever. cognizant of that. I still wanted to understand the, the origin story. Because that's Absolutely. fun for me. I love I mean, that. I still have a picture of, Mar of me as Marilyn. Recently, I auditioned at the Globe Theater for a French film production doing a documentary about her. So I did post a Marilyn picture on that page. So it's just not full Marilyn all the time like yeah, the other. That's wonderful. More than that. And obviously, now that you're down in Venice doing that spiritual work, I just think that's going to elevate you even more than you already yes. are. And I love it. So anyone that wants to attend a sound bath or learn more about it or anything that we have there, you can find me at Hallowed Ground. Um, and that's H-A-L-L-O-W-E-D, Ground. Um, the website's hallowedground.la. That's also Wonderful. the Instagram. But yeah, um, come join us, give, uh, stop in, give us a call. We're happy to help you. I love it. I love it. I love it. I appreciate you taking the time and yeah, we'll have to get into the John Travolta story on the next episode. Yeah. Uh, I would love to do another episode. We definitely have to. All right. We will. I'll figure out when that's going to be, but yeah, we'll do another one soon. Cool. Great to see you. Nice to see you too, Kelly. Mwah. <laughs>